about your psalms, talk about John 3.16. Austin 3.16 says I just whipped your ass. You can call this the new world order of wrestling, brother. Hi everyone, this is Neil Pruitt from Neil Pruitt's Secrets of WCW Nitro. You may have heard this voice before, the New World Order. I was the producer and the voice for the New World Order. You're listening to the Wrestling Basement Podcast. This podcast has not been sanctioned by the New World Order. Hey everyone, this is Guy Evans, author of Nitro, The Incredible Rise and Inevitable Collapse of Ted Turner's WCW, and you are listening to the Wrestling Basement Podcast. Brand new episode of the Wrestling Basement Podcast here on the Cruise Control Podcast Network, which you can find on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and the Cruise Control Podcast Network now on YouTube. As always, I'm joined by my guy from Bleacher Report and fan-sided Daily DDT, Graham Matthews. Graham, my man, how you doing? Doing great, Randy. How about yourself? Happy to be back here on the show. Doing good, man. Can't complain. You can find Graham on Twitter at WrestleRants. You can find me at Randy J. Cruz, R-E-N-D-Y, the letter J-C-R-U-Z. And this is uh, episode one of season two. So season one ended a couple of weeks ago with the Stone Cold McMahon rivalry. We're back at it. Uh, I think today is a fitting kind of show because we're talking about the anniversary, 23rd year anniversary coming up for the first ever Hell in a Cell match, which took place on October 5th, 1997 at In Your House, Bad Blood between Shawn Michaels and The Undertaker. So uh, we're going to go through a lot of the legacy of it, classic Hell in a Cell matchups, the rivalry between Shawn and Taker, but... When you hear right off off the top, Grant, when you hear Shawn Michaels, Undertaker, Hell in a Cell from 1997, what's the first thought? What's the first vibes you get from from that match? The greatest Hell in a Cell match of all time. That's the first thing I think of. We, we've said this before. I stand by that. I've said that before here on this show. The first ever Hell in a Cell. And just because it's the first doesn't mean it's the greatest. I know you would argue that. And maybe you don't. I'm not, I'm not sure if you've said this before, but... Brett and Sean was the first Iron Man match in WWE. In my opinion, not the greatest. Would you say that was the greatest Iron Man match? I think we we discussed this before, but I don't remember what you said though about if it was the greatest. I I might. <laughs> okay, but I'm not saying it's the worst. But what I'm saying is that just because it's the first doesn't mean it's the greatest. But in this case, it absolutely is, in my opinion. And there's a lot of other cell matches that come close. Um, there's a lot of other cell matches I thoroughly enjoy, but that first one with Kane. In, you know, debuting, interfering, whatever. Uh, Sean Taker 
just a storytelling masterpiece mm-hmm. that excelled in every way possible. And a lot of people would say Mankind and Taker from King of the Ring 98. Um, and I can understand that to a certain degree, but I still say this is the best they ever did. Mm-hmm. Oh, can I forget? If you haven't noticed, Red Bull is now a sponsor of the of the show for the entire Red Bull. show my, <laughs> podcast network. So thank you, Red Bull. Um, as if you know, the show <laughs> is presented by Red Bull. Um, so, Hell in a Cell. L- l- let's talk about that match where the lead up to it. I think many people many forget the lead up was just as good as the match. So mm-hmm. you go back to. I think you go back to August of 97. Shawn Michaels is the referee for the Bret Hart Taker match at SummerSlam. And Shawn goes to hit Bret with a chair. He hits Taker with it. Bret covers him. And we have a new champion. And then from that point on, we start building this new rivalry between Shawn and Taker, which they, 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 I don't think they ever got in the ring together at that time prior to that. So this was a brand new feud for both of them. And they go ahead at ground zero in your house the following month, which is more like a non-finish and all the, yeah. you know, everybody from the locker room was trying to separate them. Taker jumps over the ring, the ropes and, you know, stuff like that. So now it's like, all right, we don't have a winner. And at this time, Sean is getting in the mix with DX, with Hunter, with China, with uh, Rick Rude. And you have this match built up for Hell in a Cell. Like, what the fuck is Hell in a Cell? And I never heard of it. Yeah. I've never seen it. So they kept saying like, and you know me, I'm watching it live. They kept mentioning this is bigger and better than a steel cage match. This is not your typical steel cage match. It's just like yeah. two men, in, two men, two men go in, no way out. There's, there's a top uh, uh, structure above it, like a cell. And the first time I seen the hell in a cell, just the structure, I was like, holy shit! Like, I'm not gonna lie, it gave me like like the war games vibe. Yeah. War Games was was two rings, and twenty foot high. The door, it was just wow. Like, and again, we're approaching this new Attitude Era too. So they they wanted to revamp a lot of their structures and matches. So when you see the structure, you're like, holy shit, this is gonna be crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, when you first see the structure, let's let, let's talk about that. When you first see it, did it give you a War Games vibe? Did it not give you a War Games vibe? And just just, just kind of like how important that structure and that match was for the company going forward. It was huge. I mean, obviously we still have it today. We have a pay-per-view coming up named after hell in the cell. It was that successful. I mean, how many times have we said here over the years, it shouldn't be a pay-per-view. It should be a, you know, uh, an occasional match, whatever. Right. That kind of goes with that saying. When I first see the hell in the cell structure, I don't think war games, because obviously I come from a totally different perspective here, having watched several years after you. Um, I, I didn't even know what war games was and probably until a couple of years into watching wrestling and you know knowing what WCW was and whatnot. Right. Just because, um, obviously, by the time I started watching, WCW was dead and buried, long gone, whatever. But I absolutely see the similarities, and I ended up you know realizing that Hell in a Cell was absolutely an offshoot of war games. That was probably part of the reason why we never got war games in WWE for the longest time. And technically we never, we, we still haven't. It's in NXT. It's not on the main roster. It's right. It can, but it's not the main roster. Um, I feel like WWE took war games and broke it into two different matches. One with hell in the cell 
to kind of show you the structure and whatnot. And then Elimination Chamber. I feel like they kind of took it and broke it into two different match types, and both are, have been very successful. Mm-hmm. The Elimination Chamber match is also very good. Right. Um, but it's menacing. You look at it, and you're thinking, wow, this is bigger and better than a steel cage match because it's bigger. It has a roof on it. And you need the early matches of this stipulation to deliver. Because if it sucks, mm-hmm. or if it's not entertaining or exciting, we will never see this again. Right. For example, we had that, what, the Ambrose Asylum match or whatever it was a couple of years ago. Dragged on forever. Not the greatest match. I enjoyed it for what it was, but we never saw another one again since. Just because they didn't really, it wasn't a great stipulation. Uh, the fight pit in NXT a couple of months ago I thought was great. That's another one I could see being brought back at some point because that initial match was so good. And the same can be said for Hell in a Cell. The match was so good. The structure was well used. And, and it's funny because you want this stipulation to limit outside interference. The same thing with steel cage matches. The whole point of a Hell in a Cell steel cage match is to get rid of outside interference. The very first Hell in a Cell match, we have a fucking interference spot. But, you know, people don't really talk. Not that we don't talk about it, but it's not an issue mm. because it's arguably the greatest debut of all time. So it went off without a hitch. It was an awesome match. Uh, the overall vibe of it and how cool it looks definitely paid off. And yeah, again, if we don't get blood in that first match and you don't see Taker utilizing the structure the way that he did by throwing Sean all over the place, mm-hmm. then again, people would not have looked at that structure years later and been like, oh, this is any big deal. They just wouldn't have cared. It would have been like, oh, it's a hell in the cell. But whenever they uttered the words hell in the cell in the years that followed saying, oh, this match will be inside hell in a cell or whatever, people were like, holy shit, this is going to be big because of all the matches that came, you know, before those, including these early ones and especially this first ever installment. And I think I think what's very important is the fact that, you know, like you mentioned, like certain matches with uh, a big structure, they have to perform well right out the gate. So Mm -hmm. you mentioned the pit, the, the Ambrose Asylum, you know, there's like the Punjabi prison match that we haven't seen since they came out. And I think... Exactly. Well, I think they they did it like once or twice, but other than that, like Mimosa Mayhem is another one from AEW (laughs) recently, you know? Same thing. It's like, if if you're going to pull off a Hell in a Cell match at that particular time with the battle with WCW and and the whole wars... I can't find two other people that could pull this off aside from Sean and Taker. Could have been yep. Mankind, maybe. Could have been a Stone Cold, maybe The Rock. But, you know, Sean and Taker, I think two of the more uh, longevity kind of guys in the company at that time was like, like I, I wonder what their reaction was when they said, all right, we're going to, help, we're going to do, do this cage match. And then they actually see it, they're like, like, you want me to go up there? You want me to do that yeah. and fall off of that? Nah, but then again, they might say, all right, that sounds good with me because Sean was a more agile, you know, energetic kind of guy to, to, to play off a of taker, the slow guy, tall guy. Um, I couldn't find two other guys in the company at that time to do a better job than Sean and, and, and Taker did. Well, you got to think too, Taker debuted in 1997. Sean had been there for a little while before that. It took them seven years to finally feud, I believe because Taker didn't want to work with him. I'm pretty sure that's what it was. I'm oh, pretty 90, sure he didn't right? like him. They've gone on the record discussing that before. What'd you say? I said take your debut in ninety, right? Yeah, take your yeah, take your debut in ninety, and this match happened in ninety seven. So that's right. full a full seven years of the two never feuding, never having a single one on one match ever. Wow. Until late ninety seven. So and I think the reason for that two things. I think 
Taker didn't want to work with Sean because Sean was a prick back then. But I think more <laughs> so than that, I, I remember reading or hearing about this somewhere, was because Vince didn't want to, he wanted to protect both guys as top guys. Taker was always not undefeated, but he was very largely protected for the first five to 10 years of his career. And Sean in 97 was also a big star. Mm-hmm. Um, he was, this was right before the Montreal screw job, but he was already the WWE champion in 96. Didn't want to beat the guy like a drum. So who do you have lose in a situation like that? Obviously they had Taker lose, but it was via interference. So he didn't look weak, but I think that was why they held off on the match for so long. I think it, they had, they did like an untold or something on the Taker Sean match or something along those lines earlier this year where they discussed the initial matches in 97 and 98 before getting to the WrestleMania 25 stuff. But I think that's why they never did the match for so long. And then again, Sean came back in 02. It took them another seven years to finally do the match again in 2009. So it's a seven year increments of 90 to 97, no Sean and Taker, 02 to 09, no Sean and Taker. And it was one of those feuds that really feels special because it wasn't hammered into the ground. I mean, like there's a lot of feuds that did have that happen to them that were still special, like Mm -hmm. Stone Cold and Vince or Rock and Austin. I mean, we saw those matches every year, almost every pay-per-view for a very long time for like a three year period. Um, Sean and Vince, I'm sorry, Sean and uh, Taker, they had these early matches in late 97. They took a little bit of a uh, break from it, as we discussed earlier, um, in 98, that Royal Rumble match. And then that was it. I mean, obviously, Sean got hurt. Right. But he was only gone for four years. They picked the feed right back up in 02, 03, 04, 05. But they were always separated by the brand split. And they were actually never on the same show. Um, Up until Sean retired and they had the brand split, for those eight years, Sean was always on Raw and Taker was always on SmackDown. He may have been on Raw for like two weeks in 02, but like I don't think Sean was back yet. Mm. So it's kind of interesting to think about. But yeah, those early matches were just incredible. And you would think based off the chemistry they had in the Cell match, they would have done more matches a lot sooner than they did when Sean came back in 02. Right. And like you mentioned, the fact that they... They were in the, the company together for at least seven years. Sean and Taker never had a promo together, never was in the yep. ring together. And Sean was the champion. He was fighting big guys like Vader, Diesel, Cycle Sid. And you're like, all right, where's where's Taker at? And he's in Taker. Yeah, right, exactly. And Taker got involved with the Mankind feud and uh you know, Taker became champion at WrestleMania thirteen. He beat Sid. And then that's when he started to go at the, the, the smaller guys like a Bret Hart, like a Shawn Michaels. So um, very weird why they did not get why they did not clash until a certain amount of time. Then to get to the to the Rumble, and I know we'll, we'll circle back to get to the Rumble, and almost ended Shawn's career with the back injury off the casket. Um, come back O two, and then there's there's nothing till seven years later. So they're in a company seven years at the same time, then they fight. Then yep. a little sprinkle of the rumble. And then the, the retirement, whatever retirement for Sean, and then seven years after that, they come back for 09, have, possibly have the greatest WrestleMania match of all time. So yep. um, before we get back to Hell in a Cell, for you as a fan personally, where would you rank a Shawn Michaels Undertaker rivalry? Or do you feel like it's, it, it's not... <coughs> It's like they, they didn't fight as often. Like, it's, it's a very small window. It's ground zero. Yeah. It's Hell in a Cell. It's Rumble 98. It's WrestleMania 25 and 26, and that's it. So where would you rank it for yourself personally? That's a great question because they didn't feud often at all. Like, you think of the WrestleMania feuds, 
it was a drawn out story from like 25 to 26. Like when Sean, for like in late 09, after Taker beat Sean at 25, Sean was like, oh, I want one more match. I want one more match with Taker at WrestleMania. And he kept saying no. Right. They drew that feud out for a while. I don't know if I would call it a rivalry as much as it was a great story. Just because Taker and Sean weren't feuding up until WrestleMania 26, until like the month before when Sean cost them the World Heavyweight Championship. Mm-hmm. WrestleMania 25, dude, I think the match is so spectacular, a lot of people forget about this. Yeah, they had their little things in the Rumble, and the Rumble in 07, the Rumble in 08, they kind of went at it. But at that point, they weren't thinking, oh, let's do this match next year at WrestleMania. They weren't planning that far in advance. I think at one point, actually... They were going to do Sean and JBL at WrestleMania 25 because that was the story with Sean like being he had to work for JBL because he was like broke or something because of yeah. the stock market crashing, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and they were going to do uh, Taker feuding with, get this, Vladimir Kozlov, oh, who was also undefeated at that point. Right. And they were going to do that match at WrestleMania. They ended up doing Sean and JBL on Raw or at the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view, whatever the fuck. Or No Way Out, I think it was. And then they did Taker and, and Kozlov on SmackDown. So they got that shit out of the way. They had Sean beat Kozlov to become the, the Taker's opponent. So it wasn't like a multi-month feud. It only really came to ma- it only really came to be in the span of a month. Mm-hmm. But what we got in that month was great. But it wasn't a long, drawn-out feud. 97, kind of the same thing. I honestly can't tell you a single segment they had on TV aside from what we got at Hell in the Cell, the In Your House show, uh, that you mentioned the month before Hell in the Cell and No Mercy or, or Bad Blood or I'm sorry, whatever. And then the Royal Rumble. That's it. I don't really remember much about the feud itself. So I, I wouldn't go so far as to say, I mean, I guess you can make an argument for being one of the greatest feuds because their matches were always amazing. Like, it's tough. Like, when I think of great feuds, I know this is more recent, but like Punk and Cena. I remember the contract signing on Raw right before Money in the Bank or the Pipe Bomb promo or like this or that or all these other interactions they've had on Raw. Mm-hmm. I don't remember a lot of that with Sean and Taker. It doesn't make it a bad feud. I feel like the matches kind of outshine the feud itself. Right. So I've never heard anyone say, oh, it's the greatest feud ever or one of the greatest feuds ever. I don't think I would go that far. But if you were to argue that, I wouldn't argue with you just because the matches were so great and the story was so strong, specifically the second time around the nineties. It was kind of like Taker just wants to kick the shit out of Shawn Michaels for being a douche. Um, and that was practically the extent of it. And it was, a, it was a good feud, but the matches were really what made it special. So yeah, I, I, I wouldn't put it up. There as one of the greatest feuds. It's a good question, but I can see that argument being made though. I remember the raw, uh, you know, a raw segment where, you mentioned that you, that you don't recall them, you know, promo or whatever in the ring prior to these to, uh, these matchups. In '97, prior to Bad Blood, I think it's Bad Blood. That it was Bad Blood, yeah. Bad Blood, or in your house, Bad Blood, whatever. Yeah. And Sean was in the ring with Hunter and, and the DX people, and Taker was in the ring, and then Sean hit Taker with the the chair, and then Taker, okay, and Taker, you know, bled open, and then Sean was smiling and everything, and he he saw Taker get up. His face changed. They ran out the ring, and that's where Taker came up the following week. And you know, you, you you signed this with blood and this and that. Like that was a build up to to bad. But I think that's the that's the, the the origin of why it was a, a like like a hell in a cell type match because they didn't want no interference from DX and everybody else. So I think that was the only time they got on TV <clears throat> together to do anything for that match. And I'm like, I mean, if, if that if that was to happen today. 
I don't think it'll work because he's like, I got to see these guys do a promo or get in the ring somehow, some way to promote this match. But back then, that's that's all you needed. Hell in a Cell, take, uh, take or Sean, you do this one thing, I don't need to see you for two weeks and I'm going to watch the, the, the whole show. Yeah. And that, 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 yeah, that's no, how it was, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, again, I wasn't watching... Mm-hmm. At that point, so I maybe I maybe I would remember more if I was watching when the feud was happening. But right. yeah, I just I just feel like it kind of sold itself. So you don't really need a lot of segments like that. One or two is good, but I feel like Sean and Taker. I mean, as we mentioned earlier, they had never clashed before one on one. I don't think before that uh, in your house pay per view in September of ninety seven. So just on paper, Sean Taker. That's it. You don't really need anything else because mm-hmm. they're the two biggest names in the last decade in WWE at that point. You don't really need anything more than that. So I'm not really surprised that there wasn't more to the feud than there was. Because, uh, again, we all we just really remember the matches. That's kind of what a lot of us remember about that. Whereas, right. like, for example, with Vince and uh, Steve Austin, as we talked about in the last episode, I don't remember the matches so much. I don't give a fuck about the 99 Royal Rumble personally. But the moments and the segments of those two together is what I remember. I don't really remember as much with Sean and Taker as great as those matches were. So it kind of goes back and forth. But again, I, 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 I can see people calling it a great feud. And it was a good feud. Greatest of all time. I'm not sure if I would go that far, though. So so that night, uh, Bret Hart is the champion. But the main event is Sean and Taker, obviously. But, yeah. And trust me, we've seen many times where you're the world champion, but you, you, you don't go on last, even, even today. But... At the time, do you feel like, even though Brett was the world champion, do you feel like the best two guys in the company was Taker and Shawn Michaels? The best two people in the company? Um, I don't know if I would go that far, just because Brett was so great, even up until 97. Uh, I mean, obviously, the match should have gone on last, first ever Hell in the Cell. And I'm not even sure if it would have gone on last if if they didn't have the Kane debut, if it was just, I mean, was Bret Hart in a match or something on that show? Like, do you know who he faced? Or uh, not? I think he was either, I know he was feuding with the, the, the Patriot. No, that, the that, fuck? That, that could have been a, a one-on-one or like, like a, like a tag or a six man kind of. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. So anyway, um, what was I even talking about? Oh, was, were they the two best in those in the company at that point? Yeah. yeah. Brett was still great, so I'm going to say no. I mean, you're talking about 97, dude. Brett is fresh off that Steve Austin feud. Yeah. Probably, if that's not the match of the year, then this one is. I mean, it's, it's, it's an, it's an, you know, it's a, uh, you can go back and forth between the two. It's, they're two of the greatest matches, not of 97 only, but mm. of all time. So right. no, because I feel like I would rather watch a Bret Hart match than a Taker match, personally. Um, I think Brett is better than Taker. Taker is a better character and whatever, but in the ring, it's not even close. Mm-hmm. And this was an amazing match between the two, but a lot of that was, and Taker was great. And it, just Taker needed the right opponent because I feel like prior to this, Taker didn't have a lot of great matches in WWE. That, that's seven years of a lot of like shit because the guy, and it's not necessarily his fault, but the character limited him. And he said that before in a lot of interviews recently. Um, but he was facing fucking Kama, Underfaker, all these other just like <laughs> giant Gonzalez, all these other losers. Yokozuna, those matches sucked. Mm. I mean, they just were pairing him off with the big guys thinking it would be like an attraction. Right. When in reality, he shined a lot better with the younger guys and the, and the, the shorter guys like Bret Hart and uh, Shawn Michaels. So 
I wouldn't say that these two were the best in the company, and that's why they went on last. I just think the story, the story was stronger. They knew it would be a big match. They had the Kane debut. Mm. That was the big. They they love doing these shock reveals at the end of pay per views, regardless of whether like it's a good match or not. Cause I know they had a hell in the cell pay-per-view about 10 years ago mm-hmm. with Kane and undertaker. This is Oh nine, not like 97. Right. So the match was complete shit. The match sucked. But the only reason why it went on last was because they had Paul bear, like turn on undertaker or something like they love doing the shock endings to these shows, regardless of whether they're good swerves or not. Right. But now I, w- I would say Brett and Sean were probably still the best in the company at that point. And I think, you know, when you, when you go back and see it again, obviously I saw it live, but I think, like there was some parts of the match it felt real even though we know what's up but it just the way it was presented it felt real the way Sean yeah. falls off off the side of the cell and you know he gets busted open um just Sean got hit in the head with a steel chair you can still hear it today pow right in his right, yeah. right here and I'm like oh shit and, and it wasn't like Sean did this to cover it it was like pow right in his forehead. Like oh Some of Taker's chair shots are a little reckless, I will say that. Yeah, I was crazy. <laughs> yeah. Um what's also key, I know we get to the match in a bit in a minute, but what's also key, you know me, I'm always a commentary guy. And the match is just as good if the commentary is good as well. And I think that night, you know, McMahon was still on commentary. Yeah. JR and Jerry Lawler. All three at the same time. And the match was good, self, but without those three doing their job on commentary to hype you up and this and that, I don't think the match is as legendary as, you know, the match is not as legendary as I think it, it, it could have been without the, the great commentary from, from Vince, Vince JR and Lord, because I think that was the last time Vince was on commentary because um, Survivor Series the, the month after he wasn't doing it obviously mm-hmm. of, the, of the school job so that was Vince's final pay-per-view if I'm not mistaken didn't they have another pay-per-view before Survivor Series? Uh, I mean I'm, we're so, I'm so used to seeing a pay-per-view like every fucking week now that's why I asked uh, was, bad, bad Blood was beginning of October the 5th October 5th yeah and then Survivor Series was like the, the 17th, I think, or something like that, or whatever. The 9th. First, second week of October. Uh, November. November, yeah. It was pretty early so, on. Yeah. It wasn't like the 23rd or something like that. Nah, so there, there was no other pay-per-views in between us. So that was Vince McMahon's final pay-per-view on commentary. Gotcha. Um, so okay, I, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I the only... The, the commentary is great, and it, it absolutely is. I, the one thing I remember from that match, obviously, is mm-hmm. that's got to be Kane. And it's such an iconic moment. It's such an iconic line from Vince. And the commentary, regardless of what anyone says, absolutely enhances the emotion and just the drama of a match, if done properly. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's decent, but you kind of tone it out because it's not bad. It's not great. It's just kind of there, which is what a lot of the commentary in WWE is currently. And I'm not saying commentary is an easy thing to do. I'm sure if I was in that position, I would shit the bed too, just because it, it, you're you're listening to Vince. And in '97, it was a different story because Vince was right beside you um, right. and not in your ear. Um, but you, you know, it was a different story back then. And Jr. had been there for a couple of years. Jerry Lawler had been there for a couple of years. They were they were kind of passing the torch to them as the next up and coming. Uh, commentary duo in WWE after Vince was done, which they weren't. I don't know if they were planning on that. Mm. I'm not sure he was thinking, oh, this is going to be my last pay-per-view before I kind of 
move away from the table and they move more into a backstage on air role that's mm-hmm. beyond commentary. I think that just kind of happened because of the Bret Hart stuff. If it wasn't because of the Bret Hart stuff, I mean, he wasn't on the he wasn't on commentary anyway for that show, so I'm not really sure. I'm not sure, but uh, yeah, the commentary in this match was great, though. Mm. Uh, you know, before we get into the match, you you mentioned earlier about like you feel like it's the greatest Hell in a Cell match. I'm gonna put that on pause real quick. The actual Hell in a Cell itself. From 1997 to now, it's about 23 years worth of matches. Um, I'm assuming what over 20, 25, 30 Hell in a Cell matches. I think in that range, right? Uh, more than that, more because than they've that? done two a year for the last decade. So it's probably close to 50. I'll tell you right now, but let me let me look it up. Okay, so Hell you're trying to tell me in 23 years we've had at least 50 Hell in a Cell matches? 100%, because they've done, there have been years, dude, where they did like three, some years they do four, with like, they don't just do it at, at Hell in a Cell now, they do it at like WrestleMania. I'm thinking All right, like you 30. Want, you want to give me a number, take a guess right now as to how many you think there are, and I'll tell you what the exact number is. I think between 25 and 35. Dude, there have been 42 Hell in a Cell matches. Wow. 42. And, and and off rib, how many do you how many do you you remember? I mean, I remember my memory is is like weird. I remember inconsequential <laughs> right. shit. Like for example, I remember nine years ago they did Randy Orton and Mark Henry. Does that rank anywhere near the greatest Hell in a Cell matches of all time? Not even close. No. So I, I remember I could probably tell you all the Hell in a Cell matches they've ever done. If we had like a quiz here or something, I could probably wow. tell you all the matches. And I, I'm going to close the tab right now, so I'm not cheating. But mm. I could probably tell you most of them because I remember a lot of the cards in the last 10 years. Um, but a lot of them were very forgettable. The last the last 25 in the last like 10 years uh, where they've done two a year, a lot of those have been very forgettable. So to my point, my question was going to be, what has Hell in a Cell meant to the company? Now, having 42 Hell in a Cell matches... Does that kind of water down the legacy of the match, or do you feel like it, you know, it has grown into a staple of the company? Both. That's a good question. I feel like it goes both ways because I feel like now it's not special. Um, it's not like the Royal Rumble where you know you hear it and you're like, oh, I'm so excited for it. Like, I guess they try to give it the Royal Rumble treatment where they have it at the same time every year mm-hmm. and it just doesn't fucking work. Um, it just doesn't work like that because the initial intent behind hell in the cell wasn't where the winner gets a future title shot or gets the 30th spot in the rumble. It's a blow off for a blood feud. Granted, this wasn't the blow off. They did another match a couple of months later, yeah. but at the same time though, for the interim, it was the blow off. Um, you know, mankind and taker. I think that was the blow off. I don't remember exactly, but <laughs> it was supposed to, it, it was supposed to be the blow off to a lot of different feuds. And the reason, I mean, the fact it's still around obviously means something. Mm-hmm. Um, it means it's been successful. It's it's a good concept. It's a great concept. It's just a matter of what context they're using it in. That's all. Like we could still get a very good hell in the cell match. And I would rather see a Hell in a Cell match than Steel Cage, which I feel like we see all the time. Mm-hmm. Hell in a Cell, they still reserve, at least for the pay-per-views. It's not like we get it on TV every once in a while. We never get Hell in a Cell matches on the shows. No. Like, maybe I, we, we may have had one or two on Raw or SmackDown. I mean, I know we had a couple back in, like, 98 mm-hmm. on Raw. Mankind and Taker, Kane, whatever, Steve Austin. 
But other than that, they've been reserved for their own show. Even before it got its own pay-per-view, it had its own show, um, whether it be like No Mercy or whatever, WrestleMania. So yeah, that's added to the legacy of it. Um, it absolutely is watered down. I, I don't think people today feel as excited to hear Hell in the Cell as they were 10, 15 years ago. Um, but it's still a great match. It still means something. And to win a Hell in the Cell match, I think is still a pretty big accomplishment because they don't get you don't get that opportunity often. So uh, yeah, anyway, I, I, I've re- very much enjoyed the stipulation. Mm-hmm. It's not the same now as it was 20 years ago. And we've mentioned that many, many times over the years. Right. Um, but it's, it's legacy still stands as one of the greatest concepts this company has ever created. So before we get into Sean and Taker, what are some of your favorite Hell in a Cell matches? And what do you, what do you feel are like, I wouldn't say Mount Rushmore, but at, at the top echelon of Hell in a Cell matches? I would put in that top four, this one, obviously, Taker and Mankind. I don't love, I mean, for me, that's more of a spot fest than it is like an actual match because it's just one or two spots, I guess. It's not a real match match. It's really just a spot. But it happened in the match. So, and when you think Hell in a Cell, you think of that. So that can't not be in the Mount Rushmore of Hell in a Cell matches. Mm Mm-hmm. For the other two, um, that's that's tough. I mean, I enjoy a lot. There's been a lot of cell matches I've enjoyed. One of my favorites is Batista versus Triple H from the 05 Vengeance pay-per-view. That was that was a blow-off. That was okay. a blow-off to the feud. Batista was just coming up at that point. He beat Triple H twice decisively, but, you know, this was Triple H's match. He'd never gone hardcore before. This was the proving ground for Batista. Mm. He won. The match was great. They beat the fuck out of each other, and it cemented Batista as a main event guy. And the match itself is great, so I love that match. Um, I was always a big proponent. It's it, it hasn't really aged well over time, I don't think. I think it's a little a little boring now, but I still enjoy it. Triple H, Shawn Michaels from Bad Blood 04. Uh, it, when, it, I think it's the longest Hell in the Cell match ever, like 45 minutes. I love yeah. that match. Or did. I still really like it. I think it's gotten a little, again, it hasn't exactly aged well. It's a little boring, but not one of their better matches. But still, I very much enjoy that one. Um, there's been a lot of good ones. I'm trying to think of recent ones as well. The Usos versus New Day a couple of years ago was great. Uh, and the, the first ever, not the first ever tag team Hell in the Cell, but the first ever tag team title Hell in the Cell match, which was huge. Uh, that was a great one. Becky and Sasha last year had one of the better Hell in the Cell matches I've seen in a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a great match. Thinking back to the early ones, I would probably put on the Mountain Rushmore Brock and Taker from No Mercy 02. I fucking love that match. I think the match is awesome. Again, made Brock into a main eventer by far. Mm-hmm. Um, just a, an amazing match. I love Edge and Taker from SummerSlam 08. I don't know if I would put it on the Mountain Rushmore, but it was a culmination of their like year and a half long feud. Um, that was a, a wonderful Hell in the Cell match. There's there's a lot of good ones. Uh, obviously, the Armageddon one people might put on there. Yeah. Uh, that was from 2000 Armageddon 2000, an iconic match. Not the greatest match match, but it was it was a big match and one of the more memorable ones, I would say. Um, there's there's a lot more I'm not thinking about. There's more in like the 90s and shit, like on Raw and the Taker Bossman one sucked. Uh, Batista, it took. What were you gonna say? You're forgetting one. You're forgetting. I'm forgetting one. like a big one. I, 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 for me, yeah. We're talking about early Hell in a Cell. We're talking about within within three years of Hell in a Cell. You're forgetting one. Well, I mentioned Mankind and Taker, right? Yeah, you got that one. Mankind and Taker. This one, the tag team one on Raw. Um, 2000. 2000. Think 2000. 
Well, I mentioned the Armageddon one. No, think 2000, early 2000. Oh, that would, uh, I'm sorry. That would be the other one I would put on the Mountain Rushmore. Triple H, Cactus Jack, amazing match as well. Uh, that's also one of the greatest of all time. So I would probably put, in a nutshell, that one on there. Mankind Taker, uh, the first one, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably Brock and Taker, Brock too. I think those would be my top four of all time. Mm. Sean, and they're all great. Sean Taker, Taker, Mankind, Hunter, Cactus, Brock Taker. So you got Taker in three out of the top four of Mount Rushmore Hell in a Cell matches, which is which is fine because he's participated in him and Hunter in, in the most Hell in a Cell matches, right? I I think so. I don't think anyone has those two beat for most Hell in a Cell matches, but wow, you know, there's been a lot of there's been a lot of great ones. I mean, again, my favorites like Batista and Triple H might be my number one favorite. Mm-hmm. I don't know if anyone else would say the same, so I won't put that in the top four. But I love that one. Uh, there's more I'm not thinking of. Like, again, Batista, uh, Taker had one back in 07. That was really, really good. I don't really care about the DX versus uh, Big Show and the McMahons. I don't really give a fuck about that one, to be honest with you. Uh, oh, um, been- you got you got Hunter and, and, and Taker, WrestleMania 28, too. Forgot about that one. Yeah, that that's tough. that's an awesome one as well. That's that one of my tough. favorites, too. No. Okay, I come. I don't know how I forgot about that one. That would probably be my second favorite because I love that match. See, if it's not my I'm number here. one, this is why I'm here to help you out, Graham. This is exactly. <laughs> There's been so many I forget them all, but yeah, that would be up there as well. Uh, I wouldn't put Shane and Taker on there from WrestleMania a couple of years ago. That was kind of shitty. No. Ah, uh, man, there's been there's been a lot. There's been a lot of them. Roman and Bray actually had a pretty good one a couple of years ago. Brock and Taker had a rematch inside the cell back five years ago. That was a great one as well. I enjoyed that. Um, so to, yeah, have, to have fun with it, before we go into the, to the, 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 the nitty-gritty now, to have fun with it, what's the worst Hell in a Cell match? I know a lot of people gave Bray and Seth a lot of shit last year. Uh, I, don't know, I don't know if that's the worst, be, be, uh, pretending on, on how it ended. I don't know. But if there's one, you're like, oh, my God, that's got to that's be it. What's the worst, worst Hell in a Cell match? I mean, probably that one because the people were so fucking pissed, mm-hmm. myself included, coming out of that one. I mean, honestly, the match is terrible and the finish sucked too, but I feel like that match was just so bad. Mm-hmm. It was not a good match at all. I, I think that might be number one. If that's not number one, I don't know if I would put this in number two, but I own uh, the Hell in the Cell uh, compilation DVD or whatever it's called that yep. came out about 15 years ago. They ended with, I think the last match on there is Taker and Batista from 07. They have literally, dude, every Hell in a Cell match on that DVD, except for Taker and the Big Boss Man. <laughs> That's how bad that match is. That They included every fucking Hell in a Cell, including like the throwaway ones on Raw. Right. They put those on there, but they didn't put Taker and Big Boss Man, which happened at a WrestleMania. And it's not because, oh, they didn't put it on because he you know hung himself. No, it's just the match was terrible. Mm-hmm. The match was terrible, so... If that's not it, I would probably say, I would probably say Rollins and Bray because at least after the WrestleMania one, people weren't booing in the crowd. I know it was a different time, but right. it was just tasteless. It was dumb. The Bray and Rollins one was just a bad match. It had no business being in the cell to begin with. Uh, Roman and Braun had one a couple of years ago that also had a non-finish. That was terrible. When Brock like showed up, that was fucking stupid. Uh, there's been a lot in the last couple of years. I would say like, wow, that was just. That just sucked. I'd really have to go up and down the list, but those are the first ones that come to mind for me. All right, Graham. This is why we are here. You mentioned earlier the greatest Hell in a Cell match is between Shawn Michaels 
and The Undertaker at the first ever Hell in a Cell match, Bad Blood, In Your House, 1997. Looking at where Sean was at in his career, looking at where Taker was at in his career, looking at where the company was at, uh, trying to you know usher in the new Attitude Era. Why do you, and the, the ending, the Kane debut, just the match itself, the commentary, the ambiance. Why do you feel that Sean Taker is the greatest Hell in a Cell match of all time? The story they told, it wasn't just your traditional, oh, let's go in there and have a match. Like, Taker beat the fuck out of Shawn Michaels. And Shawn Michaels was <laughs> such a heel prick at that point. Uh-huh. You wanted to see him get his ass kicked. But despite all that, he still found a way to win. The beating that Shawn took was unbelievable. And like you said, it felt real at certain points. Because it probably was. I don't think Taker liked Shawn very much at all. Um, he fucking hated him. And because Shawn was a prick back then, like I said. But, you know, they incorporated blood, not a lot of it, but like enough to make mm-hmm. it feel like, holy shit, this is big. Right. Um, they used the cage well. The wrestling itself was great. These guys can go out there and have a great wrestling match. But it was a great wrestling match. It was a great spectacle. There was blood. The commentary was great. The Kane debut was perfect. They were building that for months and months and months. And he came in, ripped the fucking door off its hinges and uh, cost take her the win and that set off one of the greatest stories in wwe history and one of the greatest characters in wwe history as well gave sean a big win no interference from dx which is kind of what they teased we got kane in there instead uh just the whole thing was just magical like i can watch it back like i think i showed my girlfriend about a year ago she'd never seen it before and if i could show her a match from 20 years ago that she's never seen before because a lot, you know, most people, a lot of newer fans may not want to watch the old stuff because it's like, yeah, it's not exactly what it is today. Yeah, I don't. It's not. There's not a million high spots, so I don't care. You know what I mean? Um, but I showed her, and she's like, "Wow, holy shit, that was a crazy match! Like, it was an awesome match. It's a really, really good match." So, uh, yeah, I, I still think it's one of the greatest, if not the greatest, to this day for that reason alone. Uh, the Kane debut. Let let let's just say there is no Kane debut. Do you still have that as the GOAT? And how do you think Taker was supposed to lose if there's no Kane in, uh, interruption? Well, maybe DX interference, or I, I just don't see Sean beating Taker clean, given the nature of the character. It may not be, honestly, because if like Sean hit him with like a title belt and then that was it, it may, it doesn't have the same effect, I would say. Just, right. It's not the same thing. Um, is it still the greatest if there's no Kane debut? It's impossible to tell. It really is because there might be a match I would say that was better than that one. Uh, I don't know. It's it, it's just the first one. We had never seen anything like that before, and they took a concept that we had no idea what to expect from it, and they knocked it out of the park. So does it hurt the overall standing of the match without the Kane debut? I would say so, just because the Kane debut is the greatest of all time. So it's hard to shit on this match if it has the greatest debut of all time. Uh, but you're not going to really shit on it anyway because it's a great match. It really enhanced the match mm. by having Kane there for it. So I don't know what it would look like without the Kane debut. DX probably would have interfered. Um, they weren't going to beat Sean before he beat Brett for the belt at Survivor Series. So I, I feel like Sean was always going to win. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was just more a matter of how he was going to win. And the way they did it was masterful. Because Taker didn't lose anything in defeat. So I think it would have gone down a little differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, just no debut. It would just would have been him cheating or something, which wouldn't have had the same effect. So it probably would hurt my overall thoughts in the match just a little bit. I, you know, I, I found it so funny how, you know, Sean is walking out the winner, right? <laughs> Sean is being dragged by a hunter in China, the blood all over his face. And he's like got his eye closed and, and Hunter puts Sean's hand up. 
And then if you were just watching, you're like, yo, he won the match. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like he That's lost the, the point, match. Yeah. Yo, I, I, yo, and seeing that, and then the take uh, the Kane thing was 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 special because again, certain elements look real. Uh, or they portrayed it to be real. So when you see Kane come there and break the door off the hinges, like you, yeah. you knew it was kind of like messed up before. But it's like, oh shit, wow, like just boom, like that. It's so easy. He comes in there and a guy who's built a little bigger than, 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 than Taker, same height as Taker. Now you're like, wow, Taker really has like, like a real, like a real rivalry. I know he, I know he yeah. had Mankind earlier, but a real rival who's at his height, at his level, um, athletic as well. And I think Hell in a Cell just just birthed Sean back into the world title picture and the whole DX scene. It birthed a Taker Kane rivalry that lasted over twenty years. It it, it birthed Mc, Mr. McMahon into becoming uh, 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 an on air character. It birthed Kane into becoming a big time superstar and uh, eventual Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. Um, and just just adding on to the whole DX take takeover in the company. Um, but that Kane debut, I know you mentioned it, 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 it's the GOAT. I know many mentioned Jericho coming out in, uh, in, in 99 as the GOAT. But I think when you, when you debut and you impact like that, right in the scene of a, a, a world title picture of a Sean and Taker kind of kind of thing, I don't think you can beat that. And, and Kane, didn't, he didn't say one word. He didn't have to. It was just about what you saw. The, the, the pyro going off by, by, by the turnbuckles. He attacks Undertaker. He walks out. He's with Paul Bearer. Sean uh, Sean wins, and that's it. So I think to to your to your to agree with you, I think Kane has the best debut um, in the company. I mean, how many people debut at the main event of a pay per view and attack the top star and cost them the win? Like I feel like we see that a little bit now more often. Back then, I don't think we saw that at all. Right. You know, like we saw the Shield do that about like eight years ago, and that was a great debut, but. I feel like a big reason why the debut is so great, not just because of the moment itself, but if Kane went on to like become a loser, then it'd be like, all right, cool debut, but like who cares because the guy is a nobody. Right. Like who gives a shit? Kane became one of the most successful characters that company ever created. One of the most outlandish things that should not have worked with the whole, oh, my brother burned the house down or killed her. Like that's so dumb. It's stupid. It, it's stupid. It's stupid. But it made it work. And the characters were dedicated enough to the characters, or you know, the people were dedicated enough to the characters to make it work. They had good matches, and they made both guys household names that people still know to this day. Um, and the same can be said for Chris Jericho, because again, had he had that great debut, and he fizzled out for a little while afterward, but right. had he gone on to do nothing after that, I don't know if people would still be talking about it thirty years later, twenty years later, whatever. So. Uh, yeah, no, I think it's uh, it's an amazing debut, and you can't take anything away from it whatsoever. Just considering how perfectly it came, up, I would say. No, you're right because Kane goes from there. I don't think that was October. I don't think Kane wrestled till WrestleMania. I don't think. No, so. he did. He did. He, he did had a couple of matches. I know he had like a couple squash matches. For example, excuse me, I think he had a match at the Rumble against Vader, and he beat him. I'm pretty sure. Okay. Wow. All right. So he was, you know, he 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 had the the the, the sting schedule. <laughs> he, he was wrestling. Problems. I remember he was wrestling like the pay per views. I, actually, I think he had a match at Survivor Series. Let me see. In ninety, I'm sure he wrestled at Survivor Series and he faced some like fucking loser, and that might have been his debut. Oh boy, uh, let me check real quick. But he definitely did wrestle before then, and they just fed him losers. Like, mm. I mean, Vader's not a loser, but he was booked like a loser at that point. 
Right. Um, he had a match. Yeah, he beat Mankind, dude. He beat Mankind at Survivor Series that year. It was a 10-minute match. So I don't know if that was his in-ring debut. I assume it was, but yeah, he was at Survivor Series. Wow. And then I'm thinking, like, why would Kane have beef with Mankind right away? Like, see, I, I, I don't think I, it was I beef. That. I think it was just like he needed an opponent, so they right. just fed him Mankind because Mankind wasn't doing shit at that point. That's probably why. And then later they become tag champions and whatever, I think, later on. Yeah, in 98, I think, yeah. And then Kane does the whole casket-burning casket thing to take you at Royal Rumble. So I think yep. that that element, that rivalry, um, could be a different show for a different day, which I definitely want to talk about that. But I think Kane, uh, great greatest debut of all time. I agree with you. Sean Taker is the GOAT for Hell in a Cell matches even 23 years later. Yeah. Uh, we still talk about that. I know probably that day or the day after I probably pop pop up uh, the match and check it out. But uh, I thought this was great going back memory lane with the whole Hell in a Cell. At least the match is still still around. So that, that's that's good for that. Uh, but, a, but a major impact to the company, a major impact on both their careers because as we mentioned, Taker and maybe Triple H had the most Hell in a Cell matches of, of anybody. Um, yeah. I, I think that was... Sean's Sean was in a Hell in a Cell what two, three times maybe that one the Hunter and the DX uh, McMahon Shane one right that was it for him as far as Hell in a Cell matches Sean as far as wrestling yeah I know he was the referee for the uh, Taker Triple H one of Wrestlemania but uh, yeah yeah I think that was it I don't think he had any other ones besides those so yeah I think those three were the only ones he was ever involved right. in all right, so last two. We always hear Mr. WrestleMania, Mr. SummerSlam, Mr. Royal Rumble. Who's Mr. Hell in a Cell? Undertaker, Undertaker. I would say. It's either Taker or Triple H, and I always associate Hell. I mean, it was his gimmick to begin with, so. Which is kind of crazy when you think about it. Like, it's Taker's gimmick. Like, he created Hell in a Cell, and he fucking lost. That's a fact. Like That's, that's a fact. You know, that's kind of crazy when you think about it, you know? Like, why would you have him lose his own match? But, like, it made perfect sense, and that's kind of what added to the unpredictability of the match. No. I would say Taker, though, just because, I don't know, between the two, I think Triple H is probably, I don't know. Taker's probably been in more at this point. Uh-huh. They're neck and neck. So, but, uh, so, real quick, so you're saying that's a fact. I, I'm asking, I don't know. Like, the real behind the scenes, you're saying that Taker was the man behind the whole, um, the idea of creating this kind of structure, right? You're saying that's his idea? I don't want to say that as a fact. I'm just saying that as like in storyline, oh, I think story it was line, his okay. idea. Like, hey, Sean, let's finish your feud. He may have contributed to it. I know I've heard it somewhere before. Again, it was something on the network. They discussed it like, oh, whose idea was it? Yeah. God, I forgot who said, maybe it was in his documentary where he was like, oh yeah, it was Pat Patterson's idea. I, I forget. Or maybe it was Sean. Actually, I think it was Sean's idea. I think it was Sean's idea. I don't remember. I'd have to go back and really think about it. I, I definitely saw it somewhere, and I remember reading it or hearing it or something. But right. anyway, the fact that he lost was pretty weird, but it ended up working. It's like, oh, wow, that's crazy, but it still ended up becoming like his match. You know, when I think of Hell in the Cell, I think of his match with Sean. I think his match with Brock. I think of his second match with Brock. I think of his match with Triple H inside Hell in a Cell. Mm-hmm. He had a Hell in a Cell match with Kane uh, many years later. He was involved in that Armageddon Hell in a Cell match in 2000. Obviously, the Mankind match in 98. He wrestled in Hell in a Cell on Raw. Shane. He had a Hell in a Cell match with Batista. Edge, what'd you say? Shane McMahon, too. Shane McMahon. I mean... That was great. That right there, to me, just seals the deal. I feel like he's Mr. Hell in a Cell. Triple H had a lot of good ones, too, obviously. The Cactus Jack one was his debut. 
That was an amazing match. He was involved in the Armageddon one. He had the one with Batista. He had the one with Shawn Michaels. He had one with fucking Kevin Nash, which was random as all hell. Right. But he won that one too. Um, he had one the one uh, the one with uh, Triple H in uh, I'm sorry Undertaker in 2012. Mm-hmm. He's also had quite a bit of them as well. The DX one. But I, I would still say the Undertaker by far. My last point, um, I guess we, we I know we we touched up on it, but just kind of like because I think we always end the show like this. But like, you know, that in your house, the only match I remember is the main event. Just all off the top of my head, I don't know what else happened um, that night. Um, so, what's the legacy behind that in your house, bad blood, and just the overall? Um, standing legacy of the hell in a cell with Sean and, and Taker as we talk about it 23 years later. I mean, the legacy of that show is that match. That's it. I, I read know nothing else about that show. Maybe if I looked at the card, I could tell you, oh, I, I remember watching that or hearing about it or whatever. Yeah, show me real quick. Like, literally me. nothing. Show What'd me, you say? Show me the, the card. I, 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 don't, I don't have it. Pull up real quick. Oh, yeah, I can look it up. Let me say. And I guarantee... Honestly, though, but I... Like, usually I could tell you, oh, yeah, that this happened on that show. Like... I have no fucking clue. Yeah, bad blood in your house. I guarantee maybe no more than four matches, five the most. Oh, they had seven. Seven. Seven matches. So this was the card. Nation of Domination, which was Rock, uh, D'Lo faced Legion of Doom in a handicap match. I have no recollection of that whatsoever. Okay. Uh, Max Mini and Nova versus (laughs) Mosaic and Tarantula. Fucking minis match, who cares? The Godwins versus the Headbangers for the tag titles. The Godwins. Owen Hart wow. and Farouk for the Intercontinental title. Uh, Disciples of Apocalypse versus the Bariquas. Oh, God, that shit was terrible. Wow. Terrible. Wow. Bret Hart and British Bulldog versus the Patriot Invader. I told you. In a ta- flag ta- match? Yeah, a tag match. I told you, a tag match. Uh, it was you know, a flag match. It was a tag match, but it was a flag match. Your world champion, event. your world so, champion, the flag. Yeah, that show looked like it sucked up until that main <laughs> event. That's terrible. So, wow, that's it. It's a one and done show. It's one of those things where like you won't remember anything else that happened on the show aside from the main event. Like I remember this is a bit different, but like when the Nexus debuted, mm-hmm. the show itself sucked. It, it, it was terrible, and then they had the Nexus debut, and you're like, holy shit! Like this is amazing. Like they kind of temper your expectations a little bit. So when they do this big thing at the end, it means that much more. I don't know if they did that on purpose or the shows just normally suck. I don't know. But yeah, Bad Blood, there's a reason why they never really brought back that show. Um, I think they did it here. They did it in 03 and they did it in 04. That was it. They never did Bad Blood again after that. And for and like, if they brought it back today, I'd be like, who gives a shit? Like, I like Unforgiven more, No Mercy, Backlash. That's my shit. Like, Bad Blood, who gives a shit? Because the shows, I can't name one great Bad Blood show of all the ones I just mentioned. Real quick, um, how long was that Hell to Cell match? I know, I know, I know uh, Sean and Hunter had the longest one. Forty. Yeah, no, this wasn't the longest, but it was twenty nine minutes and fifty nine seconds, so essentially half an hour. It was a second short of being a uh, half an hour long. That's not bad. It's not bad. No, that's good. Actually, that's thirty right. minutes makes sense because you want to give it enough time to really feel special, but not go on forever. Right. Um. They definitely had one a couple of years ago that was like, dude, this is like, I think Owens and Shane or something at Hell in a Cell like three years ago went on fucking forever. And it wasn't a bad match, but it just never ended. Right. And it's like, dude, length doesn't necessarily mean quality. Like, you got to make that time matter. So, like, I think Sasha and, and Becky didn't go that long last year. 
Uh, let me see. Hell in a Cell 20. Didn't um, Sasha and Charlotte do one too? Yeah, they did one too in Boston. I don't like to mention that one just because it wasn't that good at all. Um, I was there for that in Boston. It just wasn't a good match. This The Becky-Sasha one is way better. The Becky-Sasha match only went 21 minutes. Right. And it was a great match. Yeah, so Charlotte and Sasha was just fucking a mess, but it was what it was. It was a, it was a cool... It was a cool first women's main event for a show inside Hell in the Cell. I will say that. So I thought that was pretty cool. Right. Uh, yeah, man. So um, I know I, at some point in time, I'll pop up Hell in a Cell this week to check it out. 23 year anniversary of the first ever Hell in a Cell match. Uh, a great gimmick match for the company. Um, still go, still going. So, you know, good for them. Uh, Graham Matthews, always appreciated. You can follow him on Twitter at WrestleRant. Great work for both Bleacher Report and Fansided DDT. You can follow me at Randy J. Cruz, R-E-N-D-Y, the letter J-C-R-U-Z. You can find the podcast on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. If you're a video podcast kind of guy, search YouTube for the Cruise Control Podcast Network. Download, rate, comment, subscribe, all that good stuff. Show some love for, to to the show presented by Red Bull. I'm trying to I, Red Bull, baby. I got a mass at that point. Just like, just point right to it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Grant Matthews, my man, always appreciate it. Thank you, Randy. Appreciate the time and go Red Bull. All right, man. Take it easy. Take it easy. All right.